you are you're not going to get to the level to which you aspire without firing a few clients and without burning a few bridges mm-hmm. and without pissing a few people off. We are here trying to help stimulate the middle class of music. Stop pressing CDs. What is the reason people don't hit publish? Fear. Consistent quality content. Did you know that uh, Vance and I want to answer your questions? We do. It's true. Hashtag Ask Tom and Vance. Or you can call. What's the number? You can call 615-682-1811. And when you call, leave your name and the city you're from and your question. And we'll play it on the show. Yeah, we will. And answer it for you. As long as your question's not weird. Yeah. Don't be weird. Welcome back to the Music Stuff Show, where we break down the business of music to help you build a career doing what you love. I'm going to say that one million times before this is all said and done, and I'm good with it. Hey, Vince. Hello. I wonder if you can even hear that. <laughs> Hola. We're idiots. Bonjour. What's popping, people? Man, well, since nobody out there can answer, I will say not a whole lot. Just hanging out, drinking a little sparkling water because I'm a douche. (laughs) I'm glad you said it. (laughs) Between drinking Pellegrino and growing this facial hair, I am basically telling the world I am a shithead. (laughs) I love it. I'm such a nice guy, though, I promise. Oh. Yeah, so, welcome back to the show where we discuss music and facial hair. You know what? I kind of have this plan where, like, I'm just going to let the beard go for so long and make such bad fun of it that eventually it's become, it's going to become its own thing. It'll mm-hmm. be like a t-shirt with three patches of hair on it. It's like my beard. <laughs> <laughs> Not actual hair, a picture of hair. You know people that do, like, the negative space design? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. If you're listening and you're a designer, I would rep that shirt so hard. Yeah. If you make me a a shirt that's like the outline of Tom's face with negative space. Just the hair. Just the scraggly little bits. The scraggly little bits. It's terrible. (sighs) Did you know Leonardo da Vinci invented scissors? Really? That's what this website says. That's awesome. (laughs) Good enough for me. Good enough for me. I wonder if it's in uh, the Codex. Is it the Codex Hammer? Is that the name of his notebook that Bill Gates bought? I have an iPad on the table in front of me, and I haven't looked it up. I just figured. Codex Leicester. Leicester. Thought it was the Codex. Oh, it seems German. It's probably not though, because wasn't he Italian? He was Italian. L-E-I-C-E-S-T-E-R? Leicester? Interesting. The Codex Leicester is a collection of scientific writings by Leonardo da Vinci. It was named after Thomas Koch. Okay. Later created Earl of Leicester, who purchased it. Leicester. Oh, maybe he was German, because he purchased it in 1719. I thought that Bill Gates bought it. Well, this was the 1700s. It probably was sold again. Well, it's listed under Codex Hammer, 
as well. It says Codex Hammer. The Codex Leicester is a collection of... All right, so maybe it's... Weird. Whatever. Maybe Leicester means hammer. Let's find out. <laughs> Just, we should change the name of our show. <laughs> Let's Google that for half an hour. <laughs> lordy, lordy. While you're looking that up, what are we talking about today? I have no idea. Oh, no, I know what we're talking about. Well, that exactly we're right. going to talk about how to deal with egos, uh, specifically from a producer standpoint, but I think that we'll probably end up expounding upon that to branch out to just how to deal with egos from a creative standpoint in general. Uh, yeah. Um, we really, before we started filming this, we before we started recording, we joked that we should just say, say screw you and move on. <laughs> and that's the end of the episode. It wouldn't be a joke. Yeah. But kind of is the truth. Like, I just don't think that uh, anymore in today's age that there is, there's no time for egos, man. There's no time for that. There are too many people doing cool stuff. You're not that special. Yeah. And it's like, I don't know. I just don't, I, I don't really tolerate it. I tend to distance myself from people who have uh, big fat egos. It's just not worth it to me, man. It's uh, this whole headache that gets added on to what should be a fun thing. Like creating and making music should be fun. And anybody who tries to make it about them by having a big fat head is a loser. I just think it's stupid. I concur. Having said all that, um, we can go into more depth about how to actually manage it. it let's like let's say for argument's sake. Number one. <laughs> Step one. Not a joke. Don't work with people. And I mean that wholeheartedly. It's not a, a ploy. Like there are too many people on the planet, however many times we quote the seven billion people thing. Yeah. If you know someone's a diva, I, and here's where this comes into play. People that are like C-list players, that people have a fear that they'll become an A-list player, mm-hmm. so they just go along with their bullshit. Right. For example, if you're a producer, unfortunately you see it a lot, you see one person that's doing okay, not even like destroying it, but like getting a little headway in their town, and then they're a super douche to the people around them because they feel like a rock star because they had one show that they got to open up because they were the best artist in town, but that doesn't mean you're the best artist on the planet and Mm -hmm. everybody needs an opener. Uh, And so I think there is this underlying fear for a lot of people that they're like, oh, they're kind of hot right now. They could be that next Drake. They could be the next whoever. Right. So I just have to play along. And you don't. Like, plain and simple. Like, you flat out, you don't have to deal with that. There's too many other artists, because here's the deal. Then, like, one of two things is going to happen. They will blow up and have money behind them. Mm -hmm. And they're going to be even more of an asshole. Yeah. And honestly, there's too many ways to make money that it's not worth the headache just to say whatever. Yeah. Was, you know, used to be a friend, acquaintance, like... There's no longevity in that. Or number two, 
they're going to be addicted to everybody. Everybody's going to hate them and burn out, and it would have been a waste of time anyway. Mm-hmm. So you wouldn't have gotten anything out of it. Yep. So step one, if you know they're that person, just don't work with them. Say no. Yeah. Say no. Yeah. Now, what if you don't know that they're that person, and you find out now that you're in amongst the project? What would you do? I think uh, at that point, it is your job... Well, let's just work under the assumption that you can't get out of it, right? You can't, because if, even if you're in the middle of a project, you can say, you know what, I quit, and I'm not finishing this. We can finish, you can have what we've done and move on and find somebody else to help you finish it, whatever. It's always an option. Like, there are no, the only thing permanent is death. You know what I mean? No. You can get out of pretty much anything. It may make you look like a dick. Or it may be difficult, but you can get out of pretty much anything. So don't be afraid to quit, like, if you have to. Um, But let's just assume that for whatever reason, you really can't quit. Whether, you know, you signed a contract or maybe you're doing, like, your brother a favor and there's no way you could drop this because you told your brother you'd do it for him or whatever. Anyway, Um, at that point, your, your job hasn't changed you still need to work on making the best end product that you can but now you've got this new element to manage throughout the process so in my experience when i've had to deal with that what i tend to do is try to ask more than i dictate to get a sense of what it is that's driving this in this person Mm -hmm. because usually i would i would venture to say 100 percent of the time it's derived from insecurity. And it's insecurity about something specific that they're not going to let on about on surface level. Any surface level insecurity you might be able to find is going to be a symptom of something that's deeper. Mm-hmm. It's probably going to be something like, I'm not good enough, I'm not talented enough, uh, I'm a hack, whatever. Those kind of mu- sort of stereotypical musical insecurities. Mm-hmm. So your job... Uh, as a producer is going to be to identify what that is specifically and target eliminating that insecurity the best that you can throughout that process. So let's just say, just to keep going down the you know list of familiar tropes, let's just say you got a lead singer with an attitude problem who's got an ego, who's a douche. It's probably because they are insecure as hell about their ability or whatever. So if you can get to the bottom of that and help guide their process through the lens of making them feel good enough, validating their talent, Mm -hmm. even if you have to stroke ego a little bit, you don't have to do it in a douchey kiss-ass way, but you can say things like, man, that was a great vocal take. You really are good at what you did, man. And that sort of thing, that one comment might fill the cells and carry on on throughout the whole process and might alleviate a ton of pain by just saying one thing like that. Because odds are, if this person has an ego, their band members are probably fed up with dealing with it. Mm. And so they don't say stuff like that. They're probably just a dick back to this person. So you might be the one person that says something nice to him or her in a long time. And to do that might end up actually, you might end up getting a friend out of the deal. Um, I have found that to be true in multiple instances in my own career. Uh, so you just, 
figure out what, what is driving it, what's the actual underlying factor, and see if you can't speak to that and alleviate some of that. Because if you come directly at them being a jerk, then you're probably not going to solve the problem. You're just going to put a Band-Aid on a bullet. It's fair. I think it depends. All of it does kind of depend on what is the underlying diva-ness. I think if it is something, like you said, where somebody's peacocking mm-hmm. and it feels like they're overcompensating, it probably does come from insecurity, and then I think Tom's move is the way. I think if somebody watched too many videos on YouTube and are <laughs> trying to pretend that they're the weekend and whatever yeah and think that they're hot shit because they're working on music when no one's ever heard of them and uh things like being super late being apathetic Mm. being ill-prepared things like that i think are different than the person that's insecure i think that person totally agree you have to set up really strong boundaries yeah fall back on them so for me like I'm pretty hardcore that like, actually we've talked about this before, at least off the show, where like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) we would rather you take money out of our wallet and steal it than waste our time. Mm -hmm. So for me, like if I had a client and they're late, like I'm not staying late for you. Right. Because you wanted to be three hours late because you partied till four and we were supposed to be here at nine and you don't show up till lunchtime. Like, yeah. You know, if I have a contract to be somewhere like, I'll be there till five, but I'm out. Like I'm not staying, you know, till midnight because you didn't want to show up on time. Or like, I'm not going to sit there and call you because you didn't learn the parts because you just wanted to come in and wing it. Mm -hmm. Like I'm not going to magically sit there and stroke it for you and be like, oh no, you're okay. Like, well, maybe we should scratch this and move on to the next instrument and like make sure you go practice tonight so you're actually ready tomorrow. Right. And I'm still going to charge you my day. Yeah. Like, and... I think there is a reality where some people will then puff up and be like, we don't have to use you. You're right. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not fearful of saying no. Yeah. Like, so if I'm not the right fit, like, I would rather put that in their court and make them choose based on their actions mm-hmm. of like giving them that power and not being scared of that. Because people try and like hold that over you because if they think that you were desperate for the money, they know that you'll do a lot more. Right. Versus if I'm like, that's cool, but like, I've got family, I've got my own life, so I, I'm not going to like turn my life upside down just for, you know, a little bit of money because mm-hmm. you don't want to show up or do your job. So right. if I'm not the fit, like there's plenty of people that will put up with shit, but like, it's yeah. not me. I think just like defining expectation mm-hmm. is... <clears throat> is the important thing to do. I, th- I think that telling, like if, if you see that there's a problem in the form of showing up late and, and things like that, like you just say, here's the deal. Here's my expectation for how this is going to go. Uh, you're going to be on time and we're going to start this time. We're going to end this time. And this is how the things are going to go while we're in here. And if that doesn't happen, then I'm not the guy for you. And that's cool. But you set it up mm-hmm. so basically the ball is in their court. It's their decision to make. Whether they make it by choice or by action totally rests on their shoulders. But you have already told them mm-hmm. that it is their choice to make. 
And so when they make that choice by action, by being late or not showing up at all or not being productive or treating you like you're, or others like shit in the process, they've already they've made the decision. And you can tell them, I told you what the, the my expectations were and I told you how you could make your decision about it. You've made your decision, so we're done. Mm-hmm. And they can get as mad as they want to. And I've had that happen before. Yeah. People get all pissed off at you. Sometimes they'll stay pissed at you for years. And you know what? That's fine. Even if they end up going on to do something bigger and better than you did. It's not worth your peace of mind to compromise who you are and how you want to live your life and do things. Yeah. And also, just, you know, we're not just saying this to say it and be bold and confident and, like, whatever, like, Bigger is not always better. Mm-mm. You know, bigger is cooler on Instagram. Sure. Like, looks cooler in your videos. Yeah. But I can confidently say that some of the biggest gigs I've ever been a part of have been the least joyful, yeah. most stress-inducing. Yeah. And unfortunately, not because they had to be, but because of people that it was not worth the energy to work with. Mm-hmm. Uh, because they thought they were rock stars when yep. they weren't. That's it, man. You know, there, there's always somebody else, and honestly, like, value yourself. Like, you, you're worth more than dealing with, yeah, bullshit for no reason. Yeah, it's not, like, there, <laughs> to use an old cliche, there are too many fish in the sea, man. There are millions of people making music every day and there are millions of good people making music every day. And you are, you're not going to get to the level to which you aspire without firing a few clients and without burning a few bridges Mm -hmm. and without pissing a few people off. It's just going to happen. Like I, I have, like I have struggled with that in my career, not not pissing people off. I've definitely managed to do that, but <laughs> I've struggled with like handling it when it happens. Because mm-hmm. um, I don't like, I want everybody to like me. Mm. Like I don't think that's an odd thing. I think it's a human nature thing. I think a lot of people are that way. Like there are very few people that I can think of who lead the house thinking like, oh yeah, no, I, I want to make more enemies today. But you know what I mean? So I think everybody wants to be liked and they want to be friends with people. And so when somebody doesn't like you or is mad at you or, or whatever, like it can be hard to handle. And it's been hard for me to handle. And sometimes it's taken me a long time to come back around and, and, and really understand the situation level headedly. Mm. Um, both recognizing in some instances that there was nothing I could do to avoid that outcome. And oftentimes that's the case. Like you can fight and fight and fight, but that ending was inevitable Mm -hmm. because you and that person are incompatible or that person is simply not a good person. And so that was bound to happen. Uh, Sometimes I've come at it later and realized what my part in it truly was and realized that ultimately a lot of it was my fault. Mm -hmm. And even though it wasn't intentional, like I never have set out to be a jerk to somebody or treat anybody wrong or whatever. Like sometimes I've, there have been a couple instances where I've recognized that it has been me avoiding confrontation that has actually caused a bigger problem than if I'd actually come at it head on. 
Mm. Um, and so it doesn't like, it's not always going to be easy and it's not always going to be easy to understand in the moment. And sometimes you're going to have, you're, sometimes you're going to end up with a result that you didn't even intend for intend to happen simply because you stuck to your own principles of just like interacting with people without like setting guidelines or being crystal clear or whatever. And you're going to end up with this result and then you're going to have to figure out a way later and understand it. That's going to happen. But the point is you're never going to, you can just, you can't getting through life without some cuts and bruises is simply not an option. No. You're going to piss people off. You're going to burn bridges and some bad things are going to happen and you want to do your best to minimize that but definitely do not minimize that at the expense of your own mental health and at the expense of your own relationships and working relationships because I think that when you get to a point where you're working with somebody that's bad for you you are missing out on an opportunity to work with somebody who's good for you and even if you make a record with person A that sells a million copies but the whole thing sucks you hate every second of it. You make a record with person B that sells 10,000 copies, but it's the proudest you've ever been and you got a best friend out of the deal. I would much rather take person B and less money and a great experience loving what I do than person A hating what I do and wanting to quit the whole time and ended up with some money in the bank. No. Because that, like person A will suck your soul dry. I've had that experience too. Just it actually makes you dislike what you do, even though you chose it. Like there, that's no way to be. When you like that, I think, I think that's something that a lot of people will go to go through as well um, in the musical landscape. And I think that's probably a, a, a moment that has weeded out a lot of people who come to later regret it mm-hmm. is dealing with a situation that's so bad that it makes you want to quit mm-hmm. and you forget why it is you're doing what you do you forget you lose sight of the fact that to do anything else would be even worse but in that moment you think that's like worse than this you know like so don't like cut that cut that snake's head off way before it bites you no because there's a lot more opportunity on the other side of it to do stuff that's positive. Yeah. Some friends of mine have this barometer, metric, whatever you want to call it, about uh, for when they decide whether or not they do projects. Mm-hmm. And they have a triangle. And you have to have at least two of the three points on the triangle. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, it's a no. Yeah. And it's the three points are money, great hang, great project. Mm-hmm. So you can have the money for it and mm-hmm. be a great hang and they'll still do it even if your project sucks. Right. You can be a great hang and a super cool project and not have money yep. and they'll still do it. Or you can be a great project and have full budget right. if you suck to be around. <laughs> <laughs> Which I, I think, you know, I think that third one is definitely applicable in a recording sense. I think that that third one is not a recipe for longevity on the road. Oh, I, yeah. This is just for session. Yes. Yeah. I, to be fair, they are producers, mixers. Right, 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 right. They take projects that are a singular yeah. project based. This yeah. is not how you choose your band names. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Great call. <laughs> <laughs> Clarify that. Mm-hmm. 
But no, I, I guess because the original question when we found it was someone that was from a producer perspective. Yeah. Uh, if that's you, I think that's a healthy place to start in terms of. Yeah. I is agree. this worth me thinking about this project? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if the person sucks, then yeah, there better be a lot of money and right. be a really, really awesome project. Yeah. If they got a ball and budget and, you know, they want you to produce a full record in a month and you feel like you can stomach it for that amount of money, by all means, go at it. Everybody's got a price. Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Like, yeah. Even even if I don't want to do it, yeah. there's a certain price point that my wife's like, you'll be fine. You're yeah. going to do that. You can make it. <laughs> Same for it's, my life. It's not forever. Yeah. So, pro tip. Yeah. <laughs> tweet, tweet the person's significant other and let them know how much you offer them. <laughs> They'll probably say yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, I don't know. Come back to like the original answer, though. If you can avoid it, do. 100%. It's, it's, not just, it's totally not worth it, man. Like I've, And this isn't just like hearsay based on what I think is true. This is based on actual experience in my own life. It has never, ever been worth it to me. Um, I'm trying to think of a scenario where I've actually made enough money to justify it. And... I can't think of one. Maybe one day I will. Maybe one day I'll get up into a, a new tax bracket and there'll be money that's actually worth it. But so far in my career, I haven't experienced it. It's fair. So there's a uh, there's this book called The Entrepreneurial Roller Coaster that I'm about to steal this idea from. But I also think that it kind of goes hand in hand because it uh, it applies. And I think long term. Uh, Hopefully this makes sense in a second. Basically, they, they're talking about hiring employees. Mm-hmm. And they talk about how you should only ever hire A-level employees. Mm-hmm. Because A-level employees want to work with A-level employees. Mm-hmm. B-level Truth. employees will then later hire C-level employees because they don't want to look bad. And so they want someone that's not as good as them. Yeah. And so it is continually diminishing over time. Mm-hmm. And I honestly think the same applies to your crew. Yeah. Because, sure, you might work with one person or one band mm-hmm. at a time. Mm-hmm. Most often, that's not the case. Like, there's always a homie rolling through that happens to be on your side of town and is like, oh, you guys are in the studio, I'll swing by and come hang out. Or like, mm-hmm. oh, my buddy, whoever is passing through. Like, it's just the, the nature of the environment. Yeah. And so... Yeah, your real friends get it that every once in a while somebody's going to suck. Like, yeah. no one has a 100% track record of, you know, only people that don't suck. Mm-hmm. But there's a big difference if, like, you have friends that are the A players, and all of a sudden you start bringing in people that they don't want to be around. Yeah. They're not going to be coming through as much. They're mm-hmm. not going to be as quick to say yes to helping out on your projects. They're not mm-hmm. going to be as excited when you call them to come be a part of a thing. Right. Versus... If every single time that they roll through, if even if it's somebody they've never heard of, they're like, oh, this dude's super rad, or this chick is awesome to hang with, mm-hmm. and their project's really cool. Oh, like, you need somebody to throw on keytar real quick? Like, that's <laughs> fine. I can do that real quick. I like how you pull keytar. Yeah. <laughs> Seemed appropriate. <laughs> but, you know, like, you're going to have those organic relationships where yeah. it's like... Less of like, oh, well, I'm about to play a part, so let me make sure we draw the contract so that I get my day rate to be here for these three notes. Like, mm-hmm. 
that's when you build a crew and a community of like when you have these awesome A-list players. Yeah. And they're going to attract more of those people because then their friends are probably going to be the same kind of people. Yeah. Because they don't want to hang out with people that suck. Yep. So, moral of the story, don't get yourself stuck sinking into a black hole of suck because you <laughs> thought you needed a couple bucks. A black hole of suck. If you're that desperate for cash, go do the Gary V Flip Challenge. Yeah. So that you can focus on working with people that aren't a part of the black hole of suck. I'm calling this episode the black hole of suck. Dude. <laughs> Perfect. I think that is an appropriate place to end it too. On the black hole of suck. <laughs> and with that, we go to your questions. Question time. So weird. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Ask Tom Advance. Hashtag, baby. Hashtag. What do we got? Today, coming in hot from Cura. All right. How do independent artists set up their own shows and get people to come and support? That is a good question. Uh, I think you... Find a couple of bands who are similar enough in genre to what you do. Uh, make friends with them in your area, in your community. And then you find any place that would be uh, acceptable to put a show on. Um, maybe try to find a venue that has already sound and stuff set up so you don't have to do all that. Uh, if you don't, then you'll have to find audio. If you got a PA or something, that totally works too. Rec Center dance hall, whatever, something, and then just set up the show, book, like, I did this in high school, man, like, we, we found bands that we all were buddies with, and then we found a venue, and then we found sound, and then we booked the show well in advance, and then we spent all of our time leading up to that, promoting it, like, printing out flyers, telling everybody in school, just promote the hell out of it, and then, um, should have a good, a good night. Yes. Number one. Do you have anything to show anyone? First and foremost. Doesn't have to be some platinum record, but do you have anything that shows what you do? I don't care if it's a video on your phone. Uh, maybe it's some demos you made. But if you are trying to book your own show, someone's going to want to know what you're doing. Because most venues typically lean towards a certain genre, especially at that level. Just because Drake and Carrie Underwood and Justin Timberlake and, you know, the Foo Fighters can all play the same venue, that's not the same starting out. So if you are a country artist, you're probably going to play in one type of club. If you're an indie rock band, you're probably going to play in a different club. If you are a DJ, you're going to play an entirely different kind of venue. So uh, realistically... Look at the places that you probably hang out already. Uh, those are likely that that's the similar scene you need to go for. Mm -hmm. So once you have something that you can show somebody musically, if it is a full-time music venue, there's probably a uh, page on their website that says, this is where you submit to play a show. This is what we want from you. Uh, let us know. They're going to ask for that stuff that shows what you do. They're going to ask for dates that you're looking for, and they're always going to want to know what other bands are playing with you, uh, especially on the indie level. 
the more that you can do the work for them, the more likely the venue is going to be able to say yes. Because if no one's ever heard of you, they don't know who you are. They don't want to have to then go find three other bands to put on the bill with you. So if you can kind of package that and be like, hey, this is our band. Here's links to what we do. Here's our friends bands A, our friend band B, and our friend band C. Here's links to all their stuff. We already know we can all do these five dates is one of those good for you which you're gonna have been smart, you're gonna have looked at their event calendar and you're not gonna have requested a date that was already booked and on their website because you're smart. (laughs) And then how do you promote it? You tell everybody. Tell your friends, post it on your socials, make videos, make photos, make graphics, put it out there. You You gotta tell people. You can't just magically post something once on the internet and leave it there and be like, hope they find out. That's the ticket, man. Text your friends. Yeah, once, you, once you've set it up, you have to promote it. That's the biggest thing is promoting it. Tell you, you make that Facebook event and people don't respond or they say maybe, you pick up your phone. You're like, hey, Jim, I noticed you said maybe. Are you going to be able to come to the show? I have a link for you to buy a pre-sale ticket. Can't wait to see you there. Go down a little further. Oh, Jamie, I see you haven't responded to our event yet. You got to sell, people. If you want people to come see your thing, like it is not their responsibility to know that it's going on. It's yours responsibility for other people to know that you're putting on a show. There you go. 